welcome to the Why God Why podcast. This is Peter Engler, and I'm here with our uh, producer, Dylan Carnival. I'm also with John Amayo, and today uh, we are interviewing Robin Engler, my wife and mental health therapist. And I forgot to say, John Amayo is the director of Crew. You don't have to say that. But That's hey. That's fine. Hey, we're, we're good. I am a human being <laughs> made in God's image. That's what I'm trying to embrace right now. So titles mean nothing. Speaking of anxiety, mm. um, our question today is, you know, why does anxiety affect our relationships? In one of our earlier episodes, we had Kathy Elliott talk about anxiety, but our hope in talking to Robin today is to discuss how anxiety affects our relationships. So mm. to kind of get us started, John, if I was to ask someone, how do you know John is anxious? What do you think that they would say? Someone, anyone, let's just pick anybody. Well, let's pick my wife because she knows me best. And we just had a conversation about this this past week. So why not? Why not lean right into it? This there you is go. Great. The water's warm, everybody. Um, I think my wife caught me just staring and, and just kind of like with this blank look on my face. And I was like caught up in my thoughts. And I And she knows in those moments, like... He's got something going on inside of his head. He's like processing stuff. He's he's here, but he isn't here. And I think a lot of times when I'm anxious, I will go into that zone of just kind of blocking out the world. And I'm trying to solve all of these problems in my mind. And I, I think if I just think about it a little bit harder, then I'm going to come up with a solution and then everything is going to be better. Mm. And I think anxiety, and as I've looked at the way that I deal with anxiety, I think that's the what I tend toward is I tend toward getting lost in my own thoughts, figuring that if I just think about something for long enough, that'll be the solution. But oftentimes, no. Not oftentimes. That doesn't work, <laughs> actually, to deal with it uh, in a productive way. You know, I mean, there are other times, I think, if I'm honest, I go into super productive mode, like hyper productive mode. I'm trying to get this done and this done and this done, and that'll make me feel better than really addressing what needs to get addressed uh, maybe that's underneath the surface of my life. So I think those are the two ways that I tend to deal with anxiety. How about you? Peter. I guess you probably don't deal with it though. So that's, that's fine. <laughs> I probably had anxiety this morning that you all could tell. Um, <laughs> you know, I, so I, I think that, you know, my heart begins to pound harder. Hmm. Um, and I think the way that others can tell, I, I start talking faster. Hmm. Um, and sometimes I talk faster because I'm excited, but I think there's a twinge that, you can tell he's talking faster because he's anxious. Um, you know, I also think that I I perseverate, so that means I can wow, get... holy cow! I don't I don't know if you should have just admitted that on the podcast. Uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. We're, we're, <laughs> I perseverate. I I think uh, you know I tend to get stuck on one issue. And ah, I can't, that's it. And you know, today by the way, we're interviewing my wife, and she's right. like nodding her head. Yes, so, she is. Yeah. So, anyways. Now that we've gone deep. Perseverate. Hold on. Once again, that means you get caught on one issue. 
Well, actually, you know, we'll actually just start the conversation. Robin, yes. how would you define perseverate? That's a great question to get started on with anxiety. Perseverate it is. It's when your mind gets stuck and you go over and over. It's kind of like you're in a hamster wheel uh, um, on kind of a thought. And it's, you know, then, especially if it's an anxious thought, something you're worried about, you have a tendency to just, it, it takes up more and more space in your mind mm. um, and it can become more and more distressing. So, but perseverating is getting stuck and kind of being on repeat. Ah. Uh, Thank you, so, Robin. Mm -hmm. It turns out I perseverate as well. So there we have it. So well, anyway. perseverate. You know, when your thoughts get stuck, that is a symptom of anxiety. And so, you know, if both of you are talking about, you know, some of the the experiences you have during anxiety, that makes sense because um, mm -hmm. that is a big part of it in our thought life. So. Sure. Sure. Well, we have talked about this concept of anxiety before, mm -hmm. but as a refresher for people. Um, can we get a baseline? Like what, when we try to define anxiety, what are we talking about? Cause everybody kind of throws around that term, but it might mean different things for different people. So yep. to kind of give ourselves a baseline here, what we're talking about. Well, and I think that that's something um, in our culture, we hear a lot of people throwing around anxiety and you're right. We don't always mean the same thing. Um, I would encourage those out there to listen to, I think it was podcast three with Kathy Elliott that Peter mentioned, because I think she talks, you know, kind of more in depth about this and we're going to focus on the relationship piece, but a, a general definition of anxiety, it's fear, unease, worry about the unknown. It's kind of a future orientation. If you're going to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, there are certain criteria that you have to meet. And this is something that, you know, just kind of commonplace when we're talking, you know, I'm feeling so anxious about this. It may not always be a diagnosable disorder, um, but... But there definitely are diagnosable disorders where you have certain physiological or body sensations, you know, your heart palpitations, sweating, um, you know, you might have more agitation, um, your thoughts might get stuck or kind of more consumed or, um, you know, kind of jump around. You have to meet a certain number of criteria. Um, I won't go through all of them because that might not be, that's not where we're going to focus today. Mm. Um, but one thing that I think is important, especially when we're talking about how anxiety can impact our relationships, is just knowing that there's different uh, different ways that anxiety manifests itself. Yeah. And there's different um, disorders such as general anxiety disorder is probably what most people are thinking about when they say anxiety, it's more pervasive, it's kind of a general, you know, anxiety. But there also is panic disorder or, you know, and, and, you know, if people talk about having panic attacks where it comes on suddenly and it's really intense and, you know, sometimes with panic disorder, you think you're having a heart attack and, you know, it, it just it's it's just so much fear and it's pretty intense versus, you know, a specific phobia. Mm. You know, you might have a phobia of going on elevators, you know. So all of those are going to be under the anxiety disorder umbrella. Um, and so as we think about that, there's a variety of different, um, you know, kind of anxiety disorders, how we're going to approach and how we're going to support somebody or if we're somebody who's facing the anxiety symptoms, how we're going to work on managing that might look different from somebody else. So... Right. Just jumping back to where you and Peter started this morning, talking about like, how do you experience anxiety? That's often one of my first questions that I talk to individuals about if mm -hmm. I'm working with them on anxiety, because I want to know their experience. Mm -hmm. And so this is something to kind of move into, you know, if this is a loved one, a partner, um, you know, if it's, if it's a parent-child relationship, I often encourage people, 
start to understand what your loved one's experience with anxiety is. Don't just make assumptions, Mm -hmm. you know, don't put them, you know, kind of in a, in a box of, well, you have a worried thought you must be feeling ABC, ask them, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and, and that is going to slow it down, but something you'll probably hear me say in this podcast with anxiety, we want to slow things down because that's an acceleration of a lot of our symptoms. And so we want to slow it down even in, you know, kind of supporting to know what is their experience. You know, as, as I'm listening to you talk a little bit, um, let's get super specific if it's okay, because I, I think that there's some behaviors that we get frustrated with people. Um, and it's really, if we knew that they were anxious, it might change our frustration. So, you know, for example, you know, you're sitting in a meeting with someone and they give you 20 incessant ideas. Like sometimes that's excitement, but other times that's anxiety. Like Mm -hmm. it's, I have to have 20 ideas. So you're sitting there like we can't execute all of those. But if you knew that someone was anxious, you could sit there and say, Hey, you know, it's your mind's working a lot. You know, let's just slow down. Like there's probably, what are some, I mean, I'll ask both of you, maybe some misfires that we're frustrated with others, but they're really anxious. I think that's a great question because some of the behaviors can be frustrating, especially taken out of context. Mm. But the first place, whether it's in a meeting, whether this is at home, whether it's wherever you are, you know, with a family member someplace, I would say just kind of check yourself first Mm. and, you know, kind of slow yourself down. Because if the other person is anxious and you kind of meet them, you know, kind of where they are with a kind of an anxiety or kind of a challenge, or, you know, kind of that same stance, it's probably going to feel more like a challenge. And so what we want to do is how can I be a non-anxious presence to the best of my ability? Mm -hmm. So with your example, Peter, if I was in a meeting with you and you were throwing out, this is probably the reverse for us, but um, (laughs) but you were throwing out 20 ideas before I say, whoa, slow down, you're like, breathe. I might, you know, kind of check myself, breathe myself and kind of take a deep breath so that I'm also calmer. I'm not talking out of frustration. I'm not talking out of, you know, just kind of annoyance or overwhelm because there's 20 ideas, but okay, let's slow down. And, and just, you know, just kind of say, Hey, you know, there's a lot of really great ideas right there, but there was a lot. Can we just kind of back up and, and, you know, take this piece by piece with anxiety. That's something that I said, you know, what is the next step? What is one thing that we can focus on? Cause it, it can swell big pretty quickly depending mm. on, you know, the way it, it, it impacts a person. And so with the 20 ideas, wow, these are really great ideas. Let's kind of funnel it down. What would be the top three that we can talk about right now and keep the others, but just to kind of narrow our focus. Mm. Mm. Man, that's really good. Now uh, you're hinting at something there, Robin, as I hear you talk that, um, I, I learned several years ago, it was in a counselor's office, and, and they were talking about this as scientific fact, and I had never heard it before. Mm-hmm. They said that anxiety is a contagious emotion. Okay. That just about every other emotion, somebody else, you can be in the presence of somebody else, mm-hmm. they can have that emotion, mm-hmm. whether that be sadness, anger, um, whatever. Mm-hmm happiness you can be in the presence of somebody else and they are they have their emotions you have your emotion about it but mm-hmm. anxiety from what they were saying 
is contagious. Mm-hmm. True? Not true? Should I should I not believe that person? Like, and <laughs> if so, that seems like that would have some pretty big implications on relationships. Well, well, before you go there, yeah, there's a guy by the name of Steve Cuss who wrote the book Managing Leadership Anxiety. Right. He his quote is this, and I'd be curious if you agree. The most anxious person in the room is the most powerful. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that's a that's a great quote. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you what do you think? I would agree with that because um, I don't know the scientific research on, you yeah. know, kind of um, that. But I do think that if you are around someone else who's anxious, it is going to influence you because mm-hmm. it's, you know, as I said before, it's kind of an acceleration of energy. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of feels like, you know, you're kind of hyped up. And even right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting up, you know, my back is straighter. I'm using my hand a mm-hmm. lot more. And, you know, and and it's, it, you know, we tend to, um, I think the scientific term, you know, there's mirror neurons that we have. And so this is, we're going to mirror what we see. And so mm. with that kind of, you know, accelerated energy, we we tend to mirror that. So I do think with anxiety, you know, if you're in the presence of an anxious person, it is going to, or it can have the impact where it's going to, to influence you. So that's why I start with check yourself mm. because we still want to be around those who struggle with anxiety. We can't just cut them out of our lives. That's that's not necessarily doing life with others because um, a fair number of people struggle with anxiety. So you'd be lonely. Um, but but what we do want to do is, you know, just be aware of what is that impact of being around someone who's anxious on me. If it's somebody in your family or, you know, if it's somebody that you're in a close relationship with and you're around them a lot, you know, it's it's just kind of checking it and making sure how am I having this boundary so that I'm not, you know, just kind of um, always running on the same energy and I'm taking care of myself. What is some of that self-care and maybe even the boundaries over, I know that I need to, to kind of have, you know, a, some uh, an hour of of me time where mm-hmm. I can just recharge. This would also be something if you're a parent and you have a child who has anxiety, you know, that can be draining in a different way. I don't think parenting is ever not draining, um, but it, it can be a different drain of energy. And so it's it doesn't mean you don't love your child if you need to have some mommy, daddy time, you know, kind of without them. It's just, I need to recharge so that way I can be there. And a big part of anxiety management is knowing your symptoms and knowing, you know, when it's starting to increase. And so even as a parent or if you're dating somebody, married to somebody, if you said, you know, I need to go for a walk and some of that self-care, that's also modeling for them, not I don't love you, you know, how you say it is important, mm. but but I'm doing this to kind of help regulate. And that can also, especially for a child, teach them some of those healthy ways to manage their their energy and their emotion. Mm. Hmm. Let's let's zero in on that just for a second and and get kind of practical with it. So let's say we're, you know, talking with people who are dating mm-hmm. and there's somebody in that relationship who's more anxious than the other person in that particular mm-hmm. per time. Uh let's just pick on the guy. The guy's the more anxious one. Okay. You know, for for the sake of our conversation here today. Not that any of the guys here are anxious. But um Lies, lies. (laughs) But the guy is the more anxious one. Um, What what might that uh, woman do in that relationship? Say the guy's anxiety level is increasing. Mm -hmm. What would it look like practically? I'm just looking for like a practical step to go like, okay, I'm going to have some self-care in this moment 
to be a less anxious presence. I'm not going to let mm -hmm. that anxiety dictate our relationship kind of a thing. Okay. So for the girlfriend, how can she be a non-anxious yes. presence? Yeah, yeah. So one thing I think it would be is also, or I mean, it starts with seeing my boyfriend right now, he's having the anxiety, name it for what it is. If mm. I'm talking to the boyfriend, I would say, name your anxiety, but uh. also for the girlfriend, because not to, not to shame him, not to, you know, kind of put it, but, but I think sometimes just naming even what we're experiencing with the other person. Um, and I don't know that you would always say that to him, depending on where he is, you know, right. and kind of what your agreement is. But but just say, that's the anxiety. That helps to keep you from generalizing it to that's the whole person. Mm. Um, because I think our emotions are part of us. But if I have an anxiety disorder, that's not all there is to me. If I have a depressive disorder, if I have whatever, you know, kind of disorder, that's not all there is to me. Just like if I had, you know, a physical physical diagnosis, you know, I'm not only an individual with diabetes, like there's mm -hmm. other parts. So it's the same thing. So I think a very practical part for the girlfriend, you know, to be a non-anxious part is that's the anxiety. So that way it almost, um, it just kind of compartmentalizes it. And then it's for her knowing what's going to be helpful for me. And mm -hmm. is it saying, you know what, I need to, to do some self-soothing, you know, I'm gonna, um, you know, go take a shower. It depends on how anxious a person is. Do I need to go do some deep breathing? Do I need to do something active where we're walking? I might be able to do that with my boyfriend. It might be, you know what, I'm, I'm noticing that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking this on. I need to do that alone. But, but a lot of it is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, you know, as a support person for somebody, you know, partner, care, you know, family member, you know, learn what are going to be your resources too. Because that's a big part of what we talk about with individuals who are facing the anxiety symptoms. What are your skills to manage this? But if you're living with somebody, if you're around them a lot, we also want to make sure we have our skills to manage it so that, you know, that we're both, you know, able to reduce the intensity of the emotion. So, you know, we've been focusing a lot on the other person, you know, but the question today is, you know, why is my anxiety affecting relationships? And uh, it's the reason we do that is let's just be honest, it's easier to talk about other people than ourselves. So anxiety affecting my relationship, you know, you mentioned about the boyfriend or in this case, we'll add in a girlfriend. When I become anxious, how do I know I'm becoming anxious? So what are the symptoms of anxiety? Just symptoms, but also like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, John, you tell it like, hmm. When I'm anxious, I have no idea that I'm anxious. Mm. I just think I'm like it's. I, I shouldn't say I have no idea. It takes me a while to realize. Oh, you're anxious. I don't know. Do you go through the same thing? Or yeah, I think most of the time I'm anxious. I realize I'm anxious, but I don't want to face it. Yeah. I think that's what I would. How I mm -hmm. would okay. say it. Mm -hmm. I, I think I would say I realize something. I realize it's there, but I don't want to address it all the time. Got it. Um, that's me, but I know people and, and, you know, I, I would say, I know, I know older people who are clearly anxious, but what, when you ask them, are you anxious? There's no awareness at all of anxiety of, of there being anxiety mm -hmm. there, you know? So I think there's different levels to that. And, mm -hmm. um, no, yeah, I'd just be curious, kind of yeah. the self-awareness to be anxious. So I would, I would encourage you to start thinking, you know, just kind of 
pausing for a few minutes to think about when I am anxious, the last time that I can identify that I was anxious, anxious, you know, kind of most recently, what did I feel physically? Because our physical sensations are going to be a big cue for us also. Is my heart racing? Am I getting sweaty? Am I dry in the throat? You know, kind of can't get enough, you know, air or too much air. Um, People experience it differently, but just, you know, where do I feel those symptoms? Because that's going to be a cue for you. That's going to be a self-awareness um, piece that we can grow and we can learn with that. Now, you also mentioned, I start speaking faster. I start doing that. A lot of those behaviors, we aren't necess- we're not doing consciously. Mm. And so, you know, we do have to become aware of that. And so sometimes other people point that out. Sometimes we realize, wow, I just spoke for 30 minutes in that conversation and the other person didn't say boo. You know, that mm. could be another indicator. But but I think the self-awareness, start with physically, what am I feeling? And then, you know, kind of move on from there because we do have to increase our own self-awareness or else, as John pointed out, you know, it doesn't matter our age, we might continue with those behaviors um, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. So, so with that, if you are an individual in um, in a relationship, you know, a dating relationship, we'll go to the boyfriend, girlfriend, and you are aware that you have anxiety, but you're not always aware when, you might talk to your your significant other and ask them, could you, in a you know respectful way, just kind of give me a cute, like, hey, you know, just you're talking a little faster or you seem like you've really withdrawn and, you know, I, I feel like I've lost you because sometimes we might need the help of somebody else to, mm. to increase our awareness. Um, but how you do that, we want to make sure is respectful and, and caring. Um, but it's, it's just uh, getting, getting that awareness so that we can go with that. Mm. How would you go about having a discussion like that? Like, cause there's, cause, cause just saying like, I, I mean, do you dive in and, and you say like, I think you have anxiety, like, or, or like, cause that seems kind of a very, mm-hmm. it could be a very weighty conversation to have with somebody or, mm-hmm. or could carry a lot of emotional impact with it, mm-hmm. you know? So how do you even bridge that in a relationship? John, you have anxiety. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, and and if you are in a significant relationship with somebody, if you're dating them, my guess is there's been behaviors along the way that are giving you this information where mm-hmm. you suspect they have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean you're building a case, but I would say you want to come at that with some of the observations. I've noticed, you know, this behavior. I've noticed when we go into, you know, larger crowds, you tend to get really close and, you know, kind of have more thoughts, you know, fear of kind of getting separated or what's going to happen. Have you noticed that? So if you Mm. can kind of present it in, not in a fact way, you have anxiety, but hey, have you noticed? Or, um, and like I said, there's different types of anxiety. And so- it's going to manifest itself different. But if you have somebody who who you're dating who has a panic disorder, my guess is that they know that. Because if you're having a panic attack, you know that. And right. so so if you're talking with somebody um, and and they have, they're completely oblivious, um, there might be some other questions to, to kind of have first. But I would bring it up gently as some observations, not as a fact, mm. um, because as I said, you know, kind of earlier, the other person, they're the expert of their experience and their the way that they experience anxiety might be different from someone. So we want to know, like, have you been aware of this? Do you notice that to, to kind of check, you know, kind of both of you that you're on the same page? 
So in our Facebook group, we asked, you know, what are some ways that people make each other anxious? And Robin Kukla posted not following through. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, let's kind of walk through both sides of that. So let me give you a scenario. Um, This is actually perfect. We'll throw ourselves here if that's okay. (laughs) So, you know, Robin, at times you ask me to do something and, you know, all of a sudden I feel like you're becoming resentful um, and you're sitting there like, I've asked you to get this done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, walk walk us through both sides of that. Um, I don't mind chipping in, but I think that that's a very classic, both people are getting anxious of each other mm-hmm. and maybe just how to kind of walk through that. Hold on now. Can I interject? Sure. I'm playing the role of counselor. John Amayo, now playing the role of counselor. Um, what is... Let me understand this a little bit fuller, sure. the situation that you're you're describing. You don't have to get into the detail of it, but let me understand the situation a little bit. She's asking you to do something, and you're saying, I'm just, I, I'm not getting around to it. Is that kind of how it works? Well, let's, let's use something, we'll use something from, you know, this morning. So I, I have a reminder on my phone every right. Thursday night at 8 p.m. to take the trash out. Mm. So in my head, um, I'm going to take the trash out to the curb before I go into work. Okay. This morning, Robin made a comment to me. She goes, I have to take the trash out. I'll just take it out myself. And in the moment, I was like, thank you. I'm really appreciative. And then it it clicked. She was a little upset. Ah, so I, I gotcha. think... And there's, I think there's a variety. So you're working with someone and, Mm -hmm. you know, you need a piece of the project or the plan and they're, you know, you might think the deadline's Monday and they think the deadline's Wednesday. So let's go with my example, but I think that that's kind of the the working idea. Does that make sense? that, That helps, that helps fill in the gaps a little bit, I think, for people. So that's good. Yeah. So in in the example and even, you know, kind of with Robin's question about, you know, kind of the anxious person not following through. So the I don't know which one of us would have been anxious. I think it's both of us in that situation. So I'm going to step outside of that. We both were anxious. But let's say, you know, that there's an anxious person who isn't following through on tasks. There could be a variety of reasons why. Um, One, it could be, you know, I was so overwhelmed. I was flooded with emotion. Like, I just didn't feel like I could do it. So they let the ball drop. Um, If it's so in our example, you know, I don't know that you were flooded with responsibility about the garbage, but it could have just been like, that's one more thing. Like, I just can't get to it. I can't. And I feel like I'm dropping the ball here. And then that becomes kind of, or that can have a tendency to become a negative thought spiral that goes down um, of, well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And then that can overwhelm people and they almost freeze. Um, and so sometimes when people shut down, it's not because they're just trying to shut you out. It's because they might be overwhelmed with a situation and in anxiety, you know, that's like, you know, you had referenced before, mm-hmm. like I just kind of spaced out. It's not that you're trying to disconnect. It's just, I was bombarded with mm-hmm. thoughts and emotions. Um, so 
then the other partner, you know, if the, you know, the boyfriend or the husband isn't taking the trash out, you know, well, I have to pick up the responsibility Mm. that can be frustrating and that can lead to, you know, kind of tension and, you know, just kind of conflict within the relationship. So one thing with anxiety, again, I want to come back to, we need to slow down and what I could have done and maybe I should say should, but I have an adverse reaction to that (laughs) word. Um, But what I, I, could have done would have just checked in with Peter and said, Hey, you know, I know that you typically historically do take the trash out. Like, is this something you're going to be able to do? Cause I knew he had to leave early this morning. So mm-hmm. there was part of me trying to be helpful and part of me being passive aggressive. I will own that. Um, so, uh, but, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's in, you know, kind of other situations and when this happens, you know, repeatedly, that's where it's going to have a, a negative impact on the relationship because it leads to the the non-anxious person saying, can I trust, you know, my partner? Can it, will they be able to, you know, kind of get done, whatever? And if it's in a working relationship, if it's a work partner, can I trust that they're going to do their part or do I have to assume more of that? And so so one thing, again, you know, just in, in these relationships as, as the non-anxious individual, just take a, a look make sure that you're you're still staying within your bounds of what your role is you're not over functioning mm-hmm. um or you know if you're becoming angry or resentful how am i dealing with that so that way it doesn't then have another layer of tension in our relationship and if you're the anxious person and it's brought to your attention what am i doing to to con- to try to communicate hey i am going to take the trash out or you know this is you know kind of my next step or um, you know, the, what are the skills that are going to help you so that if you're flooded, you don't, you know, kind of miss your responsibilities. Um, but you're also not just, uh, kind of tortured as you're going through it. So. Seems to me that like this concept, like this anxiety being in the midst of a relationship could really cause some interesting dynamics to go on. Mm -hmm. Like there could be one person that, is really overcompensating in in a relationship, whether that's a work relationship or just a romantic relationship that 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 maybe if the person with anxiety is being shut down mm-hmm. in one way or another, that would force another person to overcompensate mm-hmm. for that person. Mm-hmm. That can um, definitely happen. Yeah. Is that something common that you see happen? Within yes. relationships? I think that can happen, especially if it's um, a type of anxiety where the person is flooded and is shutting down. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I think one of the, the things that you and Peter brought up in the very beginning is sometimes you almost go into overdrive at, when you are anxious. So I think it can look different in different relationships. But if if it is an individual who with the anxiety is more, you know, kind of more shut down, there might be that tendency. Or let's say they have a phobia of, um, you know, kind of going out to the grocery store. Well, the other person, well, I know that I'm going to have to do that. So that just becomes one more responsibility. And, mm. and is that indefinite? Is it for a short period of time? You know, it's, it's helpful to know that. Um, yeah. But if there's, if there's growing anxiety and kind of um, fears that are inhibiting the person from from following through on, you know, kind of their daily tasks or, or what is needed for, you know, relationship for for work, 
you know, what are the conversations we're having so that it doesn't become lopsided? Mm. And and I said right there, you know, all of us are going to have seasons when we might be more stressed or overwhelmed. So if it's temporary, that's doable. It's when it's, you know, it's ongoing, it's long term that it be, can lead to more resentment if we're not addressing it and dealing with it and understanding just kind of the, the way that it's impacting the relationship. Mm. I think... Um you know, just again, to be transparent and personal and John, I, I'd be curious kind of, so like something that I've encountered is, you know, you're talking about something, something hypothetical, right? You know, you have an idea of taking the next step or something like that. And the person that's sitting on the other side of me has eight things that's wrong about it. So in that moment, I have the choice to be like, they just don't like me. They don't like Mm -hmm. my ideas. Um, you know, of course there, you know, it has to be there. Like there's all these things, but in reality, Robin, if I sat back and said, no, they're just really anxious, Mm. you know? And then I think on the other side, there's the, do you hear how you sound? Mm. Like, you know, this, you know, this could be hypothetical. This could be like, we're going in this direction, but the fact that you've shot someone down with eight things like that just kind of changes the dynamic of the relationship. I mean, do you have an example like that, that kind of just comes to your mind and then, well, as, as you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about myself in those situations. So I'm kind of flipping it around a little bit as, as as me, as uh, an anxious person, perhaps in those situations. And I think what those situations do to me is they, they kind of trigger my deeper fears. So my deeper fear is that like, I'm not going to be accepted mm. and I'm going to be alone. And so what, what is happening right here in, in the course of that conversation for me is I'm hearing all of those things and I'm saying, Oh, they don't accept me. They don't, they, they're rejecting me right now. It doesn't matter what I say. They're not going to accept me. And, and so I'm I'm looking at that conversation and I'm going, yeah, they're anxious, but kind of going back to what you were saying, Robin, like what is what's the fear underneath the surface of my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. that is that I need to address? Because if I don't address that fear in my life, I'm not going to be able to even have the conversation with that other person about that anxiety, because mm-hmm. otherwise that fear is just going to be dominating me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that illustration, I think that's how I uh, that's mm-hmm. that's where I go with it. Well, and I think the the dynamic of having more than one person is, you know, in a relationship, it's not just one person with anxiety and the other person is, you know, 100% healthy. They have their their own, you know, kind of bag of areas that they struggle with. And, and you know, as you were talking, John, going deeper, we all have, you know, kind of these core beliefs about ourselves. And mm-hmm. if they're negative, it, it might not manifest itself in anxiety. It might be depressive. It might be, you know, come out in different ways. Um, but if we have those negative core beliefs and we, we they're going to get tapped into by some people's behavior. So that's why being a support partner is so important to have just as much self-awareness mm. because we don't want to act out of our own pain and then, you know, kind of add to that. So in your example, Peter, when you were saying, you know, there's all these ideas that are getting shot down. Well, if you're personalizing, they don't like me, you know, that is, then that becomes about you. That's not about their anxiety. And so we've got two things going on. 
And that's why relationships are so complicated because it's it's not let's just deal with John and then mm-hmm. we can do Peter. It's we're dealing with John and Peter and you know it's back mm-hmm. and forth. And then you throw in a third person and that's why family systems and you know kind of group dynamics are a whole nother um, you know kind of um, you know workable, but just a way to kind of see how we relate. So it's it's just a lot of um, kind of slowing it down so that if I'm personalizing something. I might need to come back to that. But if my partner's anxiety is activated, can I be a support to them right now? Or I might realize I'm too activated myself. Like we both might need to kind of have a timeout and then come back when we're able to kind of go further. Uh, This is gold um, just from both of you. I just love what we're doing. Let's, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of want to come back to this. Um, Ghosting is a, a big thing. So let's talk more about friendship. Um, so John, you can actually amend this example. I, I kind of love this, but (laughs) you know, a, a friend, you know, reaches out to another friend about hanging out social distance. We're still in the coronavirus, but Mm -hmm. there'll be a day that we can hang out, you know, but friend texts them and says, Hey, can we hang out, you know, on Friday night and it's Wednesday and they still haven't heard anything from Friday morning. The one friend is sitting back there saying, I thought we were friends, you know, why aren't they getting back? And the other friend, for whatever reason, maybe they're waiting on another opportunity that they heard before. Maybe they're really tired, but there's, you know, there's almost an avoidance to that. Would you add mm-hmm. anything more to that? Or does that sound? Oh, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a common thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, walk us through that. So first of all, I would say with anxiety, the one of the most common reactions is we tend to avoid what makes us anxious mm. um, because why would we want to deal with something that's unpleasant? Um, that doesn't mean everybody does that. That doesn't mean that we stay there, but that's a very common area we are going to avoid what makes us anxious. So using your example, if the friend invited the other one over to hang out, you know, it might not be that they might be friends. It's not that I'm anxious hanging out with that person, but it could be, you know, something else that has nothing to do, but I don't know if I'm going to have the energy or the time, or I'm coming from this place or that place. And I don't want to say no, because then they won't invite me again. I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, if I say no to stuff, will people, and so sometimes they just don't answer, um, which is still an answer (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. because Friday night's going to come. But, but I think, um, Kind of the bigger question, you said that, you know, when there's ghosting, when we just don't respond um, and we're avoiding that, there there could be lots of reasons, you know, that happens. I'm, I'm, I jumped in my mind on examples there, but, but kind of coming back to yours, um, if you don't hear back and you're the friend that reached out, that can cause some anxiety. They don't like me or why did I even bother? That might then inhibit them from asking that person or other people in the future. Um, but I, I think in a lot of the, the anxiety books and research, you know, and even, you know, kind of trainings, current and past that they talk about in order to face, you know, kind of some of those fears of rejection, you know, this person doesn't like me, they don't want to hang out with me. You have to keep 
asking people. And mm. so recently, you know, Peter, he's laughing. We were listening to um, to, to kind of a, a talk on anxiety. This is what happens when you're married to a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but the the person, you know, was talking about, you know, kind of this very thing, like with rejection. And they were so afraid, you know, there was a social anxiety. And the therapist said, you know, I want you to go out and just ask random people. It, it was on a college campus to, to go to coffee, expecting mm-hmm. there to be rejection. There was more acceptances than rejection, so it kind of, you know, wasn't exactly there. Yeah. But but they had to learn and kind of anticipate that people are going to say no, and that's okay. Mm. And so I think with ghosting, you know, if you're the person who's left hanging, it's it can create, you know, kind of a barrier of asking other people because there's all of those on, you know, those deeper layers of, you know, kind of those fears. Um, but also for the person who is ghosting, you know, and maybe they're anxious for, you know, whatever reason, you know, it's also kind of following up. Hey, you know, I've asked you, you know, to kind of hang out a couple of times. Is everything okay? Or, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, is there anything? Because sometimes there might need to be something, you know, that needs to be cleared or, you know what? I didn't get that text. My phone has been having issues and that's why I didn't respond. Like sometimes there's actually like legitimate practical reasons. Sometimes it's, I just was so overwhelmed. I thought I responded. I didn't, you know, and we want to be careful not to just make excuses, but, but there's both sides to how the, the ghosting can create anxiety or trigger it. Mm. John, I'm just kind of curious, you know, at some point we need to do the four of us. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but because Laura's not here, yeah, you know, let, let's let's get super practical. How does anxiety work out? You know, kind of in your relationship as you think about this question. Well, and then you can get free therapy from Robin. Yeah, that's great. I <laughs> love that. I wish Laura was here because this would be this would be fantastic to to get free therapy from Robin. But um, I'll I'll try to try to honor us both in this and and get what I can glean and bring it back to the house. So um, I think I think the way it works for us in our relationship, I tend to be more anxious than Laura does. Um, but as I was referring to before, it made me think about our relationship. I think what ends up happening is Laura can overcompensate for my anxiety. So let me take a a very simplistic little example that seems like nothing but kind of but but can kind of make a picture of the bigger the bigger picture for you so um the other day i was uh just doing zoom calls and i i was sipping tea during my zoom calls and i left my tea mug by my computer and just left the room and just left it there now laura had communicated to me before she doesn't like it when I leave my stuff around. And I knew that, but my mind was just in a totally different space. Like mm-hmm. I was just consumed with all the stuff. My I had gotten kind of into not a full-fledged anxiety thing, but my mind was just going. Mm-hmm. And so I forgot it there. And, um, and then uh, Laura came back to me the next day. It was still sitting there. And Laura said, it's taken me everything in my whole and all my power not to pick up that mug for you <laughs> for, for you mm-hmm. after I told you you know that I didn't want mugs sitting around and I go oh yeah you're right so I got it and then I and then I you know picked it up and brought it downstairs into the sink or whatever um but I think that's just a, a little microcosm of a way that that our anxiety can play out my anxiety can play out in our relationship mm-hmm. sometimes I can ignore the the simple things that I know 
I need to do because my mind is so cluttered with other things. Um, and then Laura will instinctively overcompensate and then become bitter because she's overcompensated for that. You know, we don't know anything about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how, that's how I think it plays out in, in mm -hmm. my relationship. Um, Robin, any insight that you have for that? Well, I think, I mean, even Laura being able to, to kind of hold back, mm -hmm. um, and it didn't ruin your evening last night. It didn't right. hopefully ruin hers, but, yeah. but it was something that she had brought it back up with you. And mm -hmm. there is going to be, you know, kind of a need to have grace when mm -hmm. there's anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we think, well, we talked about it once, like, why isn't it done? Yeah. Um, but it's, it is repetitive because as you said, John, it wasn't something intentional. Mm -hmm. And when we have anxiety symptoms, it's not that that we're just blowing stuff off. You know, mm. there's a difference between being defiant and I'm just not going to do it. And like you said, you know, I was in my head and I was consumed with these thoughts and just kind of processing them. Mm -hmm. And so it really slipped my mind. I think of individuals who have ADHD mm. and, you know, kind of starting stuff or leaving stuff around. It's not because they're lazy. It's not because, you know, they don't care. Actually, ADHD brains are some of the most creative because they think outside of the box and there's so much of a gift to that. Mm. But yet they get a reputation of, well, you you just don't care. or This is sloppy. And it's no, like get to know the person. And work with them. And mm. so it's similar with anxiety, you know, it's, and, and for you, it was, you know, leaving the, the coffee mug for somebody else, it might be something different, you know, and it, you know, kind of different examples like, oh, you went to the grocery store and you forgot the three things that I told you, but you got everything you wanted. Like mm. it's very self, no, like actually that, you know, whatever, I won't get into all that example. Cause I could have too much fun with the hypothetical, <laughs> but, um, but I do think the overcompensating, you know, just role, it's just being aware of that because if Laura overcompensates, then not, you won't learn your lesson. I make air quotes, but, um, but it's not addressing that. And then like you said, she's going to become resentful and that's where it's going to then take on another emotion and kind of manifest itself differently for her. And so it's just keeping that communication open. And I think with anxiety, as with most things in relationships, you know, are we having healthy communication about it? Are mm. we addressing it when we need to? Not minimizing and avoiding it. Also not blowing it out of proportion, but are we, are we you know, kind of effectively addressing, you know, just kind of the way that it impacts our relationship? Mm. Man, we could keep going on and we'll probably have you have you back um who knows we'll we'll share some deeper dark secrets with laura and stuff but <laughs> we uh we like to close every podcast to what uh jesus has to do with this so um john you or me who, who do you want yeah i'll go first why not go right I'll, ahead I'll dive into the deep end this is great what does jesus have to say about this i think jesus has a lot to say about anxiety obviously but uh this week i was just uh prepping to give a sermon this week. And just a couple days ago, I was sitting right where you're sitting, Peter, uh, giving said sermon. So, uh, on video. So, um, but, but one of the things that I found interesting over this past week, as I studied a passage was Jesus invitation to people with anxiety. Mm. Um, he says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And that word burdened actually can be translated anxious. Mm. And so I, I found that really, really comforting. 
that Jesus wouldn't wouldn't reject anxious people, but that he would say, come to me, I'll take that from you. And, and what he really requires of us is just to admit that we're in that spot. It's not that it's not that he's like, I come to me and then make your and then I'll like make you deal with it. He's like, no, let let me take that on me. Mm. Let me take your anxiety. Invite me in. Admit it. Invite me in and allow me to lighten the burden mm. for you. And in so many times I think of my tendency to, in the midst of anxiety, to think Jesus is judging me or like, get your act together. It's the opposite. He's saying, admit where you're at and come to me with it. And um, I'll lighten the load for you. So Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't trying to get us to, to just ship up or uh, shape up or ship out. He's like, admit, admit it, bring it to me and I will give you rest. And that's what I really crave in the midst of my anxiety is rest. And that's what Jesus offers. Mm. Mm, That's really good. I, you know, I I was thinking about this, um, you know, so Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And, you know, that question, what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? And throughout this whole conversation, um, you know, it's funny just to watch my wife jump out of a conflict that we have and look at it from both, that's loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, Later on, uh, Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians says, carry each other's burdens. And I think sometimes our mind jumps to this well, John, I'm going to give you 100% of my burdens and you're going to carry them. But that's not what the passage is saying. I think what the passage is saying is Jesus has given us relationships so we can help each other out. So, you know, yesterday um, we did a drive through at the church and I worked with, you know, one of our maintenance directors, Brad, and, you know, we had to carry two tables out. So the option was either we each carry one or we each carry two. And by us carrying two, we got done faster without so much. It was the same amount of weight, Mm. but it was really weird because it felt different. Mm. And I think that as we think about love your neighbor as yourself, it's not saying carry one or two tables. It's let's carry both these tables together. And that's how God invites us to lighten our load in community and lighten our anxiety. So I don't know, Robin, you know, we, we have a lot of heresy, maybe... Maybe we uh, need some mental health issues, but we'll let you close it up. So my first thought when I was um, thinking about this question, what would Jesus say about this topic of how is anxiety affecting or impacting my relationship was, I think Jesus would say, come to me, just like he said, you know, as you said, Peter, you know, all who are weary and burdened, but to the little children, he was always inviting people to come to him. And so I think of that right now, if you are an individual with anxiety, come to Jesus. If you are a significant other, come to Jesus, because he wants to journey with you. Um, in Matthew 6, it's a, you know one of the, the more famous passages where Jesus is directly talking about anxiety and do not worry. Um, in verse 34, and this is the message version, I appreciate how, how it's stated here. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked mm-hmm. up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. 
which is the anxiety, God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And I think that's the reminder. Jesus is saying, come to me. I will be here with you. It, there may be storms. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be, you know, kind of, you know, just peaceful. But Jesus is that calm for us. And the antidote to anxiety is calm. So come to me. Come to the source of our calm. Mm. And I will help you. I will empower you to, to face the trials as they come. Mm. Wow. You can find out more about Robin Englert at robinenglertcounseling.com. And uh, she's also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, she has her own Facebook page. So she shares a lot of resources there. And uh, I'm so glad um, to be married to Robin. By the way, um, if you want to share this episode, we'd love for you to do that. We hope it helps people. You can share that. Use the hashtag WGW Podcast. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at uh, WGW Podcast. You can see us at WhyGodWhyPodcast.com. Also, as I would say, leave us a five-star review. As John would say, leave it um, as you wish, but we, we will take your positive reviews as they come. Help us not be anxious. Uh, we hope that you have a wonderful day and thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.